Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Speak Now Pro Wrestling. I'm your host, Denise Salcedo, and it is December 7th. And like every Wednesday, I am here to talk about AEW Dynamite. And we had what I thought was a really really solid episode of dynamite today there was so much that i loved i'm gonna say that last week and this week felt really good to me uh for dynamite and i think that even maybe to i even think this week was better than last week and there was plenty of reasons for that um we got some phenomenal matches including a really great match between samoa joe and darby allen we also got a really cool main event that ended up with a really fun announcement heading into ring of honor final battle on top of that we saw a star being made here tonight and we'll talk about that and much more uh once we get into the show but before we get into everything you guys know how this works uh please do not be shy if this is your first time if you're a regular uh whoever you are please take part in the chat um i do pull up your guys it's comments throughout the show uh, it's a really fun vibe in here it's a podcast party you know so make sure to send in your thoughts i love to hear your feedback on top of that if you want to make sure that your comment your question your hot take your recipe, your Christmas wish list, whatever it is, gets read here on this stream. You are more than welcome at any point in the show to send in a super chat. Super chats not only get your comments read here, but also they support me because, well, they support me a whole lot, really. Um, but uh, it's just a nice way to, I don't know. I don't know how to support. I don't know how to promote these super chats anymore. Send them in if you want. And if you want to make sure your comment gets read and also help me out here. Uh, so let's get into AEW Dynamite, everyone. I'm really excited to talk about today's episode. But we're going to kick things off with our first super chat of the night. And this is from Grapple Geekery, who says, five out of five show easily. Um, I completely agree. I think that this was a very solid show. As I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of things that I feel that no matter what you're looking to like, no matter what your reasoning for tuning in for AEW is, I feel like you got a little bit of all of that stuff. You got some really great storytelling here tonight. Um, we also got some good in-ring work, some pretty great in-ring work, actually. And then on top of that, you got some like newsy announcements and even some stuff to predict. So I feel like we kind of had a little bit of everything tonight on Dynamite. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, we're going to kick things off with the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. So it was announced, I think it was what, last week, that Ricky Starks was going to be taking part of this because he said that he not only wants to take away MJF's championship, but he also wants to take away his diamond ring. And I remember saying that I really liked this because um, he should be coming for everything that MJF has. Ricky Starks said it for himself, I'm coming for MJF spot. Now we're going to be talking a lot about Ricky Starks here tonight because this was legitimately the man's night, guys. I literally think that we saw Ricky Starks not only level up, but for those of you, if anybody was on the fence as to whether or not Ricky Starks was going to be a star in AEW, for those that maybe were on the fence, I think today you definitely saw um, a, like a star being made because 
Ricky Starks has had the crowd behind him, but, and I remember saying this, guys, oh my God, I felt so validated here tonight because for those of you who've been tuning into the show, you know that I said the one thing that I was really excited for when Ricky Starks won the tournament and that I knew he would go on to face MJF was legitimately the mic work. We just knew it, okay? We know that MJF delivers every week. That's already his thing. He's already become known for that. And Ricky Starks, we had seen shades of it before, but never to the level that we saw here today. But I'm going to talk about that in a second because I got to talk about the Battle Royal. Um, the Battle Royal, see, okay, and you guys know that I'm usually not a fan of Battle Royals because my pet peeve in Battle Royals is when, you know, there's just, they, they're not always great, right? Sometimes they're a little bit of throwaways. But I actually enjoyed this Battle Royal that they did because they kept it tight. It was quick and we got some really good uh, spots during this. I think the best stuff that we got or some of the best stuff that we got was um literally when Brian Cage kept trying to throw out Dalton Castle and his boys literally keep kept getting him. And so you literally see Dalton just go up and down, up and down, up and down until finally he's eliminated by Brian Cage. I thought that was a really cool little moment that they had there. Um, I didn't like the way that Orange Cassidy was eliminated. I kind of thought that one was a little bit lame because uh, Blade... So Orange Cassidy is hanging on by the ropes and you think he's going to do, you know, flip himself over and get back into the ring. So everybody is kind of in anticipation for that moment. But instead he doesn't. He ends up kind of like sitting down and then Blade comes in and just like basically knocks him out and throws him out of the uh, Battle Royal. So I didn't like the actual elimination of Orange Cassidy, but I guess whatever, you know. Um, all right. Some good, some great exchanges between Cage and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy doing the Meteora onto uh, Brian Cage on that ring apron I thought was really solid, especially because he had to nail it perfectly so that Brian Cage is the one that's eliminated and that Jungle Boy doesn't accidentally eliminate himself. Um, So that was pretty cool too. W. Morrissey though, holy snappers. He literally practically kills Jungle Boy during this. He basically gets him um uh he gets him and he tosses him onto the ring apron but he does so in a way where he just lands really ugly like you can tell it got it got him in a very uncomfortable spot it looked brutal honestly I don't necessarily know that I loved that spot but it happened um but but W Morrissey is responsible for responsible for the uh, elimination of Jungle Boy. Sean Dean gets some nice shine during this uh, battle royal, and then it finally ends up being the final three, which are Matt Hardy, Ethan Page, and Ricky Starks, with the final two being Ethan Page and Ricky Starks. And obviously, they were the final two in the tournament, so it was kind of like a nice little uh, throwback of, here we go, we find ourselves once again across from each other in the ring. I loved the elimination, uh, the way that... Um, Ricky Starks countered that and got himself back into the ring while eliminating Ethan Page. I thought that was really great, but let's get into the confrontation. But before we do, either way, thumbs up on the Battle Royal. Uh, we got a super chat here from Christopher Moreno, and he says, so when were you going to tell us that you're Soraya's partner? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Uh, 
I know it's a joke, but uh, <laughs> can you imagine that would be godforsakenly awful? You will never see me ever, ever wrestle or even attempt to wrestle ever in my life because there are certain people that are not blessed with really great athletic genes. And I'm one of them that has not been blessed with any sort of athleticism in my body at all. It's really pathetic, actually. Uh, we've got a super chat here um, from Thomas uh, Maestral. I'm pretty sure I messed up your last name. Apologies, Thomas. Uh, but Thomas says, my Xmas wish is for the elite to be fired by 2023. Ooh, I was not expecting uh, that. <laughs> Definitely not expecting that. But hey, guys, if you send in a super chat, you're more than welcome to send in your hot take, man, and get it read on the stream. Look. I know that people are still torn apart about whether you're on CM Punk's side or whether you're on the elite side, um, but I definitely cannot imagine, uh, especially especially now, I cannot imagine uh, the elite not being part of AEW. It, it just doesn't feel right. Um, but to each their own, uh, as we saw in Chicago, we saw the crowd be really, really 50-50 in terms of booing the elite, cheering for the elite. Heidi Ho sends in a super chat saying, never really been a Ricky Starks fan until tonight. More of this, please. What? Heidi Ho. Okay, so thank you so much for saying this because earlier I said, if anybody was on the fence about Ricky Starks, I think tonight definitely made them into a fan. Now, I don't want to be that person, but I'm going to be this person. I'm going to be the I told you so person because I knew it. I knew it for freaking months and forever, for however long I've been doing this podcast, I've literally been making sure to put over Ricky Starks because I'd seen it. You know, we'd seen so many glimpses of it. And this is finally the moment where he's finally getting the time to shine. You know, um, sometimes guys, all it takes is a yes. All it takes is an opportunity and you can see somebody essentially finally show to the world what they can do at what kind of level that they can do it at. But we'll talk more about Ricky Starks in a second. We got a super chat here from Matt Logan, who says that tonight was a great show. Uh, thank you so much to Matt Logan for also setting in this super chat. Uh, we have another one here from Thomas who says, also, have you lost weight meant as a compliment? <laughs> Honestly, I'll take it. And yes, I have lost weight. Um, I'm, I was 127 pounds on November 4th and fast forward to December 7th I am now down to 121 pounds and I'm very happy guys because I've been eating healthy I've been working out and trust me I don't want to work out every day but I do it uh, because I started feeling really shitty about myself and um, so when you start feeling shitty about yourself, you know, what else can you do other than try to fix it? But thank you so much. I'm glad somebody noticed. Uh, thank you so, to, um, so much to Tomas uh, for sending in the super chat. And I don't take it as like a, I take it as a compliment. Heidi Ho sends in a super chat saying, Jungle Boy is lucky if he's not injured. Yeah, unfortunately, that was not uh, an enjoyable thing to see. Uh, he, it, it, it looked pretty nasty, right? It looked a little bit brutal. Uh, but guys, we got a super chat here from Sheldon Jackson. Thank you so much to Sheldon who says, felt like tonight's show was about the mic and people were killing it on the mic tonight. Overall, like, damn, let them talk a little bit more and, and saw their character. Um, And here's the thing, though, is that I feel like even though we did get a lot of great stuff on the mic today, I thought that the wrestling also delivered. And as I mentioned earlier, obviously Samoa Joe, Darby Allen, and the main event were just two examples of that. So I kind of like that we got a little bit of everything on this particular show. So thank you so much to Shelton Jackson for also sending in this, uh, this generous comment. 
All right, so let's get into MJF Ricky Starks. Uh, so after Ricky Starks won the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, he is confronted by MJF. And I'm thinking the second MJF's music hit, I'm thinking, here we freaking go. This is it. It is go time, y'all. So the crowd, even throughout the Dynamite uh, Diamond Battle Royal, they were really hot for Ricky Starks, okay? And they kept it going, man. When they had this little, like, before they even started squaring off on the mic, the crowd was going uh, nuts for Ricky Starks, which was really great to see because with MJF, you just really never know what reactions you're going to get, right? Because MJF, even though he's the guy that you love to hate, he's also the guy that you want to cheer for, right? Because a lot of us like to cheer for the bad guy. So there are times where it really depends on the crowd and what kind of reception you're going to get for MJF and also depending on who he's in the ring with. I mean, I go back to this, but this is an example. When we were at freaking full gear for Newark, everybody was chanting F John Moxley. And that was surprising because nobody hates John Moxley. Everybody loves John Moxley. But because people were so excited for MJF, they were like F John Moxley. So to kind of see that and then see the reaction that we got for Ricky Starks here tonight, it was just, um, you know, one of those things that was really cool to see, especially because he's, you know, somebody that hasn't been at the very top just yet. So anyways, here we go. MJF starts this off by kind of dismissing Ricky Starks, and he wants to address Brian Danielson first and foremost because the events that we saw last week saw MJF turning on William Regal. And William Regal has been a hot topic the last couple of days because uh, he is out of AEW and he is returning to WWE. And today on the media call with Tony Khan ahead of Ring of Honor Final Battle, he basically explained what went down with that. So just to give you a quick explanation, Tony Khan's family was dealing with a very serious issue regarding his mother. He mentioned that his mom unfortunately had two strokes and she had a major heart surgery. Uh, it was during this time that, you know, Tony was obviously spending time with his family, uh, you know, was there, you know, with his mom in the hospital and, and all of this. And this was immediately, this was around after All Out. So um, he talks about this and then he kind of mentions that this was around, he said around the show, around Toronto, when they made their Toronto debut was when uh, William Regal, when he was was when he first heard that William Regal essentially didn't want his contract to be, uh, you know, renewed after the after it expired in December, he didn't want the option to be picked up. So he basically spoke with Tony Khan directly. They had a very long conversation, and he basically explained his reasonings as to why uh, those reasonings for William Regal wanting to go back to WWE included wanting to spend his golden years, not just with his son, but also with his friends and, you know, taking on this coaching role because he does love to coach, etc. And so Tony basically said that during that time where he found himself and the serious stuff that he was dealing with in regards to his life and his, you know, with his family, he kind of, um, I guess you can say where he found himself 
connected to William Regal, where he mentioned on the call that he didn't want to see, you know, parents or their children separated and didn't didn't want to see any of that. Right. Especially going through what he was going through with his mom. So he decided to make things work and he decided to basically um, figure out a way so that, you know, story wise, things start to make sense. So um, William Regal is, you know, gone is going to be gone. But uh, he is obviously he still appeared here tonight on a uh, pre-taped segment, but we'll talk about that. So MJF basically confronts Brian Danielson and he's and he tells them that uh, the reason that Brian Danielson didn't show up is because Brian is terrified of him. And so that's pretty much what he says about that. Then he turns his attention to Ricky Starks and he tells him, I'm a bad man, but I'm here to uh, get my four-time Dynamite Diamond Ring champion, right? He then goes on to say that Ricky Starks is the drizzling shit. And then, so he kind of throws a low blow at uh, Ricky Starks because one of the one of the criticisms that Ricky Starks has gotten from his haters, I guess you can say haters, is that he has, I guess you can say, stolen, uh, and I put this in air quotation marks, but stolen a lot from The Rock. That has been a criticism that Ricky Starks has gotten from people that maybe aren't fans, right? And so MJF ties that into this, and he even throws a line um, saying he calls him a Rudy Pooh candy ass, which you know where we've heard that before, and he says that Ricky Stark stole everything from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, goes on to call him a dollar store Dwayne, and then says, I'm now going to refer to you as the pebble. All right. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, that's a really good burn, right? Nobody wants to be called a knockoff of anybody, right? Especially not The Rock, because he's at the very, very uh, top there. Uh, he has a really good line where he kind of even throws a shot at NWA and Billy Corgan. MJF says, I'm going to drive you to the nearest body of water. I'm going to take you out of my pocket, pebble, and I'm going to skip your scrawny little pigeon-toed ass all the way back to Billy Corrigan's NWA so you can wrestle on YouTube where you belong. Uh, That was definitely um, a shot at the NWA uh, for sure because nobody wants to be called, uh, you know, made fun of for being on YouTube. And I know we're on YouTube right now, but let's ignore that. Um, But in terms of, you know, a wrestling promotion, right? So that was really good. And at this point, I'm thinking, holy shit, this is it. Starks is going to have to, you know, really nail it here. This is it. When you go up against MJF on the mic, you kind of have one shot and you either go, you know, you either miss it or you don't, right? Um, So Starks starts this off. And right away, He instantly, within minutes, not only puts out a phenomenal promo, but he levels himself up on the roster by kind of showing what he can do and that he can go toe-to-toe with MJF. And he also gets maxi pad over, okay? And (laughs) he calls MJF maxi pad. Now, for once, I am happy to be a female on this podcast because I, I know what it's like to wear a maxi pad. They're terrible. And I blame my husband because one time I sent him to go get me pads and he came back with the wrong ones. He came back with maxi pads. I didn't want to wear maxi pads because you know what? They're annoying, they're big and they're thick and they feel like you're wearing a diaper. And today that is what Ricky Starks called MJF a maxi 
pad and I was dying because obviously you have uh, more dudes in the audience than you do, you know, the chicas. So <laughs> I was dying because everybody was chanting maxi pad, maxi pad. And I was like, man, most of you don't even know what it's like to have to wear a maxi pad. It's awful. But anyways, this was really damn freaking hilarious. And it's one of those things that is going to stick. If you don't think you're going to be seeing a shit ton of maxi pad uh, signs throughout AEW the coming weeks, months, whatever, uh, you're going to see them because it's pretty damn um, funny, actually. And then from here on out, I'm going to do my best to reiterate some of the stuff that Ricky Stark said, but I'm not going to do him any sort of justice because he freaking nailed it here, guys. Ricky Starks and MJF have something in common. Besides the mic work, they have the, uh, you know, the style. They style and profile. They're good-looking guys that dress very nicely. Clearly, we know that. And so Ricky Starks kind of... It was like mean girl action what we saw here. First and foremost, he calls MJF a fifth-rate fifth Roddy Piper wannabe. Then he goes on to bury him and bury everything that he looks like. He points out, um, I wrote this down, guys, so I'm going to have to freaking read off of this. But he points out his, uh, he hates he buries his spray tan. He says, you spray tan your eczema. He then says he has crappy shoes. His clothing is never ironed. The shirt that he wears is too small. He has a shitty scarf. And you think you're better than moi. He even throws in a little bit of the, the sass, right? He then says that everything MJF does and wears scream cheap. Cheap clothes, cheap shoes, cheap heat. He then goes on to say that there is a big difference between him and MJF, and that is that he actually gave the people a reason to uh, keep rooting for him, and that on the other side, MJF just keeps letting people down. Then he continues on, and he says that while MJF was off in Greece crying because he didn't get paid enough, that he was there busting his ass, and MJF was avoiding responsibility. He goes on to keep burying him. He says that his nose is darker than his body. He mentions that he doesn't know wh what responsibilities are and that he can't handle his responsibilities. He says he's going to smack the mole off of his neck. And then finally, he ends it with, I'm going to take the responsibility off your plate, little boy. And the crowd reaction for this line was really, really uh, something. Um, MJF responds to this like MJF would and just gives a nut shot um, right to Ricky Starks. But afterwards, Ricky Starks ends up spearing him, um, knocking his shoes off. And that was pretty much what happened. But this was good stuff, um, mainly because... Ricky Starks showed that he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with MJF, okay? Uh, this could have easily been a flop moment for him, but he didn't flop. Uh, and I think he showed people that, you know what? You guys have been talking every, you know, for months, you guys have been putting over MJF for his promo work. Well, now there's somebody else that you should probably also be putting over for their promo work. And that's the way that I kind of saw uh, this whole thing play out. I saw I kind of saw like a new AEW star uh, be born here tonight. So thoughts on this, guys? How did you feel about uh, Ricky Starks, MJF, etc.? Here we go. Uh, we got a super chat here from Jake Nader who says, shout out to Winnipeg 
uh, Manitoba, March 14th. Yeah, you know, they've been announcing so many dates. I kind of lost track, but um, they're going to so many more uh, new cities, which is exciting. They'll be here in Los Angeles um, for only the second time, which is nuts when you think about it, that this is only going to be their second time uh, in Los Angeles. And they're going to be in San Francisco. They're going to be in Sacramento. Uh, there's a lot of cool places coming up. Uh, but thank you so much to Jake and Nader for sending in uh, this super chat uh, here today. Um, <laughs> we got everybody laughing about Pebble and MaxiPad, uh, honestly, which is really good. Uh, this is from Heidi Ho, who says, is being compared to The Rock in any way an insult, though? Look, man, if any of us, well, because here's the thing, here's the thing. There was people that were saying that like the insults were like that he stole stuff from from The Rock, right? To Ricky Starks, like that he stole. Uh, I think saying that you stole anything from anybody is an insult. But if someone says, oh, you remind me of The Rock, that's not an insult. So it's more, more of how you phrase it, right? If any of us here were ever told, oh, you remind me of The Rock, I bet you we would all have a big head for the rest of the day because uh, The Rock is kind of goals for everybody. Uh, but thank you so much to Heidi Ho for sending in this super chat. Uh, Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat saying, but let's also ignore that MJF also wrestled on YouTube with MLW. So that line to me kind of hurt his promo a little bit, but it was still really good. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, obviously, but I think it was more so... I thought it hit really well. I didn't think it took away from his promo at all, especially because let's be real. NWA has NWA, Billy Corgan. Unfortunately, they haven't gotten too much love uh, recently. So I think that this was kind of a, a really good shot. Uh, but thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson for always uh, sending this in. Dave N says not Denise burying the maxi pads. Yes, I will bury the maxi pads. They are God awful and count your blessings if you don't have to ever wear maxi pads because they are awful. Okay. Uh, we got still Knox vision sends in a super chat saying new AW merch, a Burberry pattern maxi pad. Dear God. I don't even know how to take this one in. First of all, I'm thinking AW should hire you for their marketing and merchandising department. Uh, get yourself a job there. That was a pretty brilliant idea. Um, you know what? I could, God, I just thought about something and I don't want to say it because I don't want to give people ideas. I don't want to give people ideas, but damn it, it just popped up in my head. I'm thinking about how like everybody brings in the DIY scissors for the acclaimed, right? I mean, clearly they're not going to bring actual scissors because you can't let them in the arena. But I don't think there's there's definitely, definitely not a rule against bringing in maxi pads. Oh, my God. If I would go like, I don't even know what I would say if I saw a maxi pad just like up there in the crowd, someone waving a maxi pad. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that stuff's expensive, though. You'd have to buy like the entire pack. So I don't know if people would actually do that. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you to Still Knox Visions for sending in this super chat. Um, we got Deity Padilla who sends in a super chat saying, hi, Denise. I hope you're doing well with you covering Final Battle this week. Uh, I got to figure out how I'm doing all of that because as you guys know, I will be in Orlando uh, this weekend because I am going to be taking part in the uh, NXT Deadline kickoff show. Um, that news broke yesterday and I was very happy about it. Uh, so I'm probably going to have to watch Final Battle on delay because I have to get to uh, I have to get to the venue 
really early and I'm confused with time zones right now and I don't know <laughs> and I'm a little bit confused in terms of what time I'm getting there and also what time the show starts and so I may have to watch on delay uh, but thank you so much to Danny Padilla uh, for sending in this super chat Justin Martin sends one in saying uh, career defining promo for Ricky Starks. It's awesome to see him finally get the spotlight he deserves. He won that promo battle with MJF. And yeah, I think you kind of nailed it here, Justin. You nailed it with career defining promo. I, ex I think that was exactly it. And um, also he did win that promo battle with MJF and to be honest, this is good. This is so great. This is great for MJF too, man. Because how many times don't we talk about, you know, some other times where you see champions that don't have, uh, I'm not talking about AW here, but, you know, sometimes you see, how do I say this? You want opponents that feel like a big deal, right? To your champion. You don't always just want to feel like your champion's just going to run through everybody. You want to see somebody really square up with them because it just makes it more exciting. And I think that Ricky Starks being, you know, MJF's like legitimate first challenger here as, you know, for the start of MJF's era as AEW world champion, this is only helping MJF too as the new AEW world champion. So you're going to see both guys benefit from this story uh, between Ricky Starks and MJF. Uh, thank you so much to Justin Martin for sending in the super chat. Uh, completely agreed with everything that you said there. Um, Heidi Ho sends in a super chat saying, are you getting a picture with Triple H pointing at you? <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, but I... I don't, I'm not the kind of person that will ask for a picture guys, because you know, people are working and I don't want to bug anybody. And this is the thing that I hate about myself. And I consider this a toxic trait, even though a lot of people would consider this a good trait, but I am very disgustingly polite. Like it's so disgusting being so polite sometimes because I will literally be so polite that I will like, let's say I want a picture with someone. I will never ask because I'm too embarrassed or I'm just so polite. I don't want to get in anyone's way. I don't want to bother anyone. I'm just trying to stay out of the way. Right. And I hate that about myself. If you, I know I, there's people out there that get this, like, you know what I mean? When you're just so polite that it kind of ends up screwing you because you're like, damn, I really wanted to do this. But but first off, I'm too shy and I'm too polite. So it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you so much to Heidi Ho for uh, sending this in here. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, King Apothea says Denise won't tell fast food workers her order is wrong. I mean, I don't think so. It depends, right? Like if it's like really wrong to the point where I won't eat it. Like let's say I order chicken and they give me tuna. I'm going to say something, right? But let's say they give me barbecue sauce instead of ranch. I'm not going to say anything. I'll, I'll be quiet and eat my barbecue sauce. You know, uh, Christopher says, Denise, I know what you mean. I'm like that too. Right? Right? Okay, I feel you. I hate it and I feel you. Um, all right, so let's continue on because after this, we got what was my favorite match of the night. Uh, I know I didn't go with the main event, but it's because I really enjoyed this match here. Um, but before we get to it, we do have a super chat here from Danny Padilla. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for sending this very generous super chat. He says, nobody should want comparisons to The Rock right now, considering how bad Black Adam was. And if maxi pads are as bad as you say, us guys can only offer our deepest condolences. Okay, 
So I did not watch Black Adam. So I don't know if it was bad or if it was good. I have no idea. So I can't even comment on that. And thank you. I will take your condolences um, for those maxi pads. Uh, thank you very much, Danny Padilla, for the very generous super chat here. All right, guys. Um, let's see. So my favorite match of the night, and it was because it's everything that I like. And what I like is violence, okay? I like violence. Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship here. Uh, this was the hell. This is, where do I begin? This is what I want to see in terms of Samoa Joe as TNT champion. I want to see him just go out there, have a fun match while he's kicking the literal life out of people. To me, that's very exciting. That's all I can ask for. Um, and this one worked a little bit differently because usually I do like to see, I like to see more of, you know, I want to see two guys that are literally kicking each other's ass, not just always one being dominant. But this one worked in this particular case because you clearly have this size difference between Samoa Joe and Darby Allen. So that played a part into all of this. But also we know that Darby Allen kind of has a little bit of a death wish. And so he's kind of... Uh, always kind of putting his body on the line and he did so in this match and Samoa Joe had a lot of fun with it um damn where do I begin Darby Allen goes for a dive Samoa Joe just moves out of the way that's what he does he's like nah I ain't Nah, screw that guy. He's going to land on the goddamn floor and that's exactly what we saw um there was a lot in this so let me uh tried to narrow it some of it down uh we got a boot from Samoa Joe uh followed by a senton uh to Darby and he still kicked out of this that was pretty uh that was pretty enjoyable to see uh Darby kind of goes for a uh attempts a crossbody but Samoa Joe catches him and this is the point where Darby is finally able to get a little bit of an upper hand because he uses this moment to get out of it and shoves Samoa Joe into the steel steps and uh then he goes and attempts to cough and drop while well, he actually executes the cough and drop but let me tell you if I'm going to cough and drop on anyone it's gonna be Samoa Joe all right got no problem coffin dropping on Samoa Joe all right he's the kind of person you want to cough and drop on uh that coffin drop was really freaking dope though um Darby gets frustrated he starts biting the face of Samoa Joe uh Darby for the end we see Darby also I didn't mention that at the top of this match Samoa Joe was literally just like smashing um Darby Allen like against the barricade and this and that so it was pretty brutal but anyways fast forward to the ending Darby goes for the coffin drop. Instead, Samoa Joe, surprise! Does uh, <laughs> this sound really bad? But he, oh, let me. I'm gonna describe it a different way. So, Darby Allen goes for the coffin drop, and Samoa Joe, like surprise, grabs him, gets him in a rear naked choke, and Darby kind of passes out there. Okay, and <laughs> uh, post match. We see Darby get back up. And I wasn't expecting to see Darby get back up after this. And I already thought the match itself was enough of a beatdown. But clearly it wasn't enough for Darby because Darby gets back up and Samoa Joe headbutts him and then gets the skateboard and I feel like this was the first time Samoa Joe has ever touched the skateboard in his life it looked very ironic but he gets the skateboard sets it up so that the wheels are facing upwards and he hits the freaking muscle buster on Darby Allen onto the skateboard okay and I'm thinking dude you're you're killing the guy that's enough you already uh, 
I love the violence, Joe, but you already did a lot to him during this match. The kid has a family. So he's choking out Darby again, right? Because the beating isn't, the muscle buster on the skateboard just wasn't enough. And then finally Wardlow comes out. And I actually wasn't expecting Wardlow. Uh, to be honest, I was kind of expecting Sting during this, but it ended up being Wardlow. And obviously makes sense because they're feuding too. But Wardlow comes out and basically stops Samoa Joe from inflicting further damage on Darby Allen. But to be honest, at this point, Wardlow, buddy, I, I adore you. I appreciate you. But damn, you were a little too late, bro. At this point, might as well have not even come out. Darby Allen was already dead. He was already dead. The damage had been done. Um, but either way, this was a really fun match. I love the outcome. I love seeing Samoa Joe going in there and kicking some ass. And Darby Allen looks to have a great time taking all of these uh, bumps and high-risk situations. So uh, this was good. I liked this. Uh, unfortunately, though, Wardlow did, just didn't come in time to save Darby. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and see. This is from Mike T9DK who says, only problem I have is why the F, why the F, why the F is uh, Wardlow coming out when Juice is the one that is fighting Joe at the pay-per-view? Well, obviously, Ring of Honor Final Battle, you are going to be seeing Samoa Joe and Juice Robinson, but Wardlow and Samoa Joe obviously had their thing beforehand, but I do agree with you. Considering that we're heading into Ring of Honor Final Battle, I would have had Juice Robinson you know, do something about it. Uh, I think Juice Robinson would have made more sense in this situation. Uh, and that's why I told you, like, I wasn't expecting Wardlow during this because I thought, okay, if anybody's going to come out, it's going to be Sting to help out Darby. But then he would have came out sooner. And Juice Robinson, because obviously he's heading into this match with Samoa Joe. But um, that's kind of where we're at here. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Danny Padilla sends in a super chat saying, should we compare? Should we be concerned about all the scary bumps Darby has taken during his career? Really hope he isn't shortening his career because he's awesome. I mean, dude, like, I can't say that it's not dangerous. Clearly it is. And, you know, the, I, I don't know what the expression is exactly, but you do hear a lot of people saying, like, you know, save your bumps, pick your moments, right? Don't just bump for anything because you just know. You just don't want to shorten your career, right? But there are, are people that are just you know, just have a different mentality. And if they want to do it, they want to do it. And Darby Allen is that guy who wants to do it. That's just who Darby is, right? And we've seen him do lots of crazy things. Like this isn't even, uh, I don't even know if you would rank this as the, you know, most dangerous stuff you've seen Darby Allen do. I feel like there's still so much more on that could be uh, on the on the short list. Uh, so thank you so much to Danny Padilla for sending in the super chat. Um, all righty. And uh, let's continue on from here, everyone. Um, before we do, just a friendly reminder, guys, that um, I do go live three times a week here on F4W Online. Also, if you guys haven't subscribed, subscribe to the channel because we have officially surpassed 94,000 subscribers. We are 6,000 away from that 100K mark, which means a really nice uh, silver plaque coming uh, this direction. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel, uh, make sure you do. We got a super chat here from Heidi Ho who says, Darby is here for a good time, not a long time. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, thank you so much to Heidi Ho for this super chat. Man. All right. 
And let's go ahead and get into uh, this next match that we got. This one was a pretty fun one, too. This was Claudio uh, Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta versus Jake Hager and Daniel Garcia. And God, I cannot believe how over that stupid purple hat has gotten. Oh, my God. I hate that hat. And I think that's what's kind of making it enjoyable is that I hate that hat and I still kind of laugh about the hat. What? I, I want to get the backstory on this hat. Whose idea was it? How did the hat idea come about? Is, is this known already? Has, has this been put out there? Because I don't know. Um, I need to know this information because whoever um, came up with this, whether it was Jay Kager or somebody else, it's crazy how uh, over the hat has gotten. There was an all elite graphic for the hat. Uh, I'm seeing signs about the hat. It's freaking nuts. Hat is hideous, and it's but it's gotten over. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, Claudio ends up with the hat at one point at the start of this match and he kind of like teases putting it on but instead he just like kicks it into the crowd which was great I really like that um, this was a fun match guys they kept the action going good here I like the Huracurana that uh, that uh, Claudio did to Hager that was really good uh, Claudio doing the big swing on Hager was awesome as well uh, it would have been funny if he would have been holding on to the hat or wearing the hat while taking the big swing that would have been really funny um, but this was a pretty good action throughout everything uh there's a moment where uh Hager locks in a submission on Claudio that was good and at the same time Daniels uh excuse me Daniels uh Daniel Garcia was locking in one on uh on Wheeler Yuta so that was a pretty good visual there but for the win we do see Claudio hit his uppercut on Jake Hager and he wins the match this was fun honestly this was harmless this was fun this was probably one of my uh on the better side I would say um I would put this on the good side of, of matches for sure. Uh, Heidi, Heidi Ho sends in a super chat saying, oh, I already read this one, sorry. Uh, still Knox Vision sends in a super chat saying, my girlfriend says Kotex clicks uh, over Maxi. Oh, you know, I don't know Kotex clicks. And now I feel like a non, and now I feel so not girly. Uh, I don't think I've ever used Kotex clicks. So I actually don't know. Sorry, guys, I can't give information on Kotex clicks. I've only used, uh, I don't even want to get into what I've used, but I have not used Kotex clicks, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, God, this maxi pad thing just went off in an entire uh, different direction. Um, dear Lord. Uh <laughs> All right. And uh, let's see what else we got here. Everybody just laughing at the Alameo. I think every Sam Fine says TMI. TMI. I was literally here about to run down every product I've used since the sixth grade. Okay. I was literally about to start doing that. And then I was like, shut up, Denise. Shut up. Don't talk anymore. Go on to the next thing. And thankfully for once I listened to my brain. Uh, man. All right. Garamon Saint says long-term storytelling. <laughs> dead. I'm literally dead right now. All right. Let's get into the emotional part of Dynamite. And if you didn't watch Dynamite, you're thinking, what? What is she talking about? There was an emotional part on the show? Yeah, low-key. There was a little bit of an emotional part on the show. And this was William Regal, which we already kind of covered everything that's been going on with Regal at the top of this. But... Tony Khan had mentioned that we were going to hear from William Regal 
uh, here tonight, right? So we were expecting something to uh, further explain why did William Ringel turn on John Moxley? That was never explained. What is going on here? Uh, so after this, we had Tony Schiavone come out and uh, he basically says that he did a pre-recorded interview with William Regal. In this interview, William Regal said that this would only be aired if something bad happened to him. So like, Jesus, this was like a goodbye, man. Do you guys remember Armageddon? Armageddon, you guys remember when um, the daughter is saying uh, goodbye to her father? Man, same vibes here. Uh, Regal... Uh, basically said that the reason he did what he did uh, to John Moxley was so that they could always stay one step ahead, have eyes behind, uh, you know, have eyes in the back of their head. And he says that he basically did it to teach them kind of a lesson. Don't trust anybody, have eyes in the back of your head, that sort of thing. And he says, he, closed it off, he closes it off with, um, I will be Blackpool Combat Club until the day I die. Uh, this was kind of sad. I, I felt kind of emo during this. I'm not going to lie. I really kind of felt a little bit sad and I wasn't expecting to feel sad about it. You know, obviously I was, you know, a little bummed when William Regal, the announcement was made that he was no longer going to be part of AEW. Obviously I was a little bummed, but you know, bigger picture is going into a different position, right? Something that he was already doing before and seemed happy doing. So I thought, okay, cool. But story storyline wise, I wasn't expecting to be feeling sad about it and that's exactly how this felt this felt like a goodbye but I will tell you though I really liked it because you know we had that whole back and forth right after full gear between John Moxley and William Regal where you know Brian Danielson was the one getting on his knees begging Moxley to not hurt William Regal to the point where he even slapped him so it's like that was you know, that was kind of sad when you think about everything that happens now. And with, with and then with MJF kind of, you know, obviously punching him in the back of the head with the brass knucks, sending him off in the ambulance. And now, you know, storyline, he's supposed to be, you know, somewhere in a hospital or something. And with this footage airing, this was sad. I don't know what else to say. It was really sad. Um, <laughs> Justin Martin says this was a very creative way to offer an explanation that made sense. It felt like Tony Stark an end game with the video they watched at his funeral. Man, this is sad, guys. Now I'm depressed. I wasn't expecting to feel this way. Uh, Alexis P says we're going to know the cycle by the end of this. All righty. There's going to be some guys that do not get Alexis's comments, but... Uh... <laughs> All right, that was really funny. Uh, shout out to Alexis for sending in that comment there. Um, let's see what else we got here. This is Ender Buckley who says, I like that he left a video in case rather than the end just being stretchered out. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, to be honest, they could have left it at that. But there would have always been these questions as to why. Why did he do this to John Moxley? Like, we wouldn't have never known the actual explanation. So I'm glad that they found a way to tie this in very nicely. And also getting, also getting us to feel you know, a little bit emotional there. Um, all right, so let's see what else we got here. Uh, this is from Zeno Hour who says, 
Listen, I completely understand why TK booked Regal's exit this way, but I think the story was full of inconsistencies and lack of logical storytelling. I think it was awful and disappointing. I get that I get that people did not like how the firm was kind of tied into all of this and MJF's really long explanation that he did last week. Um, that was an argument that Will and I had on after the week, which was really fun. Um, and so I do get why people felt this way, but I also get the situation that TK was in where it was kind of like trying to basically work with what you've got and try to find some way to give it some sort of proper uh, ending. So I'll take it for what it was. Again, I really liked that turn from uh, from from MJF to William Regal. I obviously think if William Regal would have stayed in the company longer, they could have told this even, uh, they could have done so much more. But clearly, you know, things happen, right? And I think this was probably the most effective way that they could have uh, ended things on a positive note where it's like, you know, prior to this, people were upset at William Regal. And at least now with this video explanation, you don't feel upset with William Regal. So it's like he said goodbye on a very nice note. You know, he left as a baby face. Uh, thank you to Zeno Hour uh, for also sending in his thoughts here. Um, all righty. And let's go ahead and <laughs> Mike T90K says, since MJF is an asshole, he should have made Regal kiss his ass last week. Oh, we all remember that. The Kiss My Ass Club. God, I remember watching that as a child. Uh, I don't know how old I was. I feel like I was a child. I probably wasn't. I don't remember. But I remember watching that. And the entire time I was just like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Oh, my God. He's going to kiss his ass. Like, you know, it's really gross, right? But, man, did that have me on the edge of my seat. I hate that that worked on me, but it did. Um, obvious. Okay. Let's continue on here because we still got so much more to get into. Uh, House of Black has a quick uh, promo uh, vignettes that they do. And this was pretty good because Malachi Black, kind of says that, you know, AEW has been corrupted by people who point fingers at others while holding the shovel. And I thought, ooh, that could literally mean anybody, right? I kind of felt, I don't think, I don't know, you tell me. This kind of felt like a little bit of a CM Punk elite line reference, kind of. I don't know. Maybe my brain just goes there automatically, but that's what I connected it to. But either way, he basically says if anybody has an issue with what they've done the recent weeks since they've came back, which is attack people, that they'll face them next Wednesday. And they did announce that the House of Black will be an action at Winter is Coming. Um, all righty. Oh, yeah, there you go. Alexis P brings up a Penta's literal shovel. He does have a literal shovel. I had forgotten about that. You're right. Uh, I think I was thinking more of, I wasn't thinking literal. I was thinking more figuratively. I don't know. Oh, no, that's the opposite way. Point is, I was my brain just went to the elite and CM Punk. And I was thinking like, oh, mm, you know, people pointing fingers at other people. OK, what's going on? Thought it totally differently. But obviously, uh, good shout. All right. Jamie Hayter has a sit down with Tony Schiavone. Uh, this is her first uh, major sit down as AEW uh, women's champion, not interim women's champion so we finally get to see from uh get to hear from jamie by herself with nobody else not not brit there to take her words out of her mouth not rebel nobody just jamie and tony this was great uh she looked phenomenal by the way want to shout out that outfit it was great and uh she basically says that whoever wins from the match between hikaru shida and the bunny on rampage 
that person is going to have their first shot at the title against Jamie Hayter because she wants to be a fighting champion. Uh, my prediction is that it's going to be Sheeta. I think it should be Sheeta. And I would love to see Sheeta and Jamie Hayter. And I think that that would probably be uh, the best potential matchup that they can have there uh, for Jamie Hayter. Because you kind of, again, she started things as interim champion. You got to kind of get that ball going once again. Obviously, the ball was never stopped on Jamie Hayter, but you just need to liven things up now. And I think that her going up against Ikarashita would definitely liven things up for her. Uh, so you want to, you don't want, I want to see a fighting champion, okay? Like they've done so well with Jade's presentation as TBS champion. We need that now for the actual AEW Women's Champion. You know, so much has happened with that title that things haven't worked out. And this to me finally feels like the real opportunity to just, get things going. Uh, we got a, a super chat here from Ian Krug who says, happy 43rd birthday to me. Love your show. Dude, happy birthday, man. I hope you have an awesome day. I hope you had some great celebrations, uh, whether it's today or maybe if you have something planned for the weekend. Uh, seriously, thank you for uh, sending the nice comment and for also sending in the super chat. Uh, may all your wishes, your birthday wishes come true. Eat lots of cake if you want to. Eat whatever you want. Uh, thank you so much to Ian uh, for the generous comment. Um, super chat, excuse me. Uh, alrighty, and let's continue on from this. Let's get into, we had a women's, uh, six woman tag, and it was Sky Blue, Madison Rain, Kira Hogan, and versus Jade and her baddies. And uh, this was fine. This was a nice little match that we had here. I thought there was some really good action that we got. Um, obviously, the main one being between Jade Cargill and Kira Hogan because, you know, she had been kicked out of the baddies. And so she did get an opportunity to kind of get a little bit, some, somewhat of some revenge on Jade Cargill because uh, Jade tags herself into this match. And so she ends up going up against Kira. Kira throws some elbows at her. She hits a low drop kick. She finally hits a sliding boot to Jade Cargill, who's on the corner, who's uh, on the corner. And uh, that was really, honestly, like the biggest thing that I've seen Kira do on AEW thus far. Like that was her biggest moment so far, I would say. So good for her to get a little bit of uh, action with Jade Cargill, considering that she got kicked out of the baddies. Uh, but for the finish, we did end up seeing it being between Jade Cargill and Madison, with Madison hitting an uh, Instaguri. And, uh, but Jade gets her with an elbow and then gets her with the Jaded and gets the win for her team. So I thought the action was pretty good. I thought Sky Blue looked great in this. Uh, same thing to Madison Rain. Uh, Red Velvet, too. I thought she did a great job, too. Um, this was fun. This was fun. Alrighty, guys, we got a couple more things to talk about, and then it's a wrap for this show. Um, all right. So we got a backstage segment with Britt Baker and Soraya. Well, it started off with Soraya, but she was interrupted by Britt Baker. And this is all leading to a tag team match that's going to be taking place at the Los Angeles show, uh, the, the Los Angeles Dynamite show. There's going to be a tag team match between Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker against Soraya and a mystery opponent. Now, here's where we need some theories. Now, I got a couple of theories, one that is realistic, one that's a little bit more ideal, and one that may be, I don't know if it's possibly far-fetched. I don't know if it's a far-fetched idea, but let's break it down here. So there 
okay, the way that they're setting this match up with them being like, oh, it's, you know, you need to find yourself a partner, right? Like you need to go out and find yourself a partner. To me, it feels like it's got to be somebody that's either debuting or returning. Debuting or returning, especially because it's a little bit far out till we get to that show. It's not till, you know, next month. We still got a bit. We got a couple of weeks, okay? So I'm thinking, hmm, what can we expect? Keep in mind that Los Angeles is a huge freaking market. So if you're going to want to do something cool, you're going to want to do it in Los Angeles, all right? So I'm thinking, who is this person going to be? Now, I have a couple of theories. My realistic theory, the one that I think is most probable, is Tony Storm. To me, that just seems the most probable, okay? All right. Now let's get into some more exciting theories. <laughs> not Just some more far-fetched theories. This one's not far-fetched because obviously this person's part of the company and this person has been out due to injury and is there was a, a couple of Thunder Rosa. So Thunder Rosa had said on Busted Open Radio that she was aiming for a January return. January, AEW Dynamite, Thunder Rosa. Uh, she would get a huge reaction in Los Angeles. Um, that would be a great place to basically have her in. She wasn't able to make the last LA show. Uh, so I do think there's a good chance that it can be Thunder Rosa. I don't know if it will be Thunder Rosa, but I think there's a good chance there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. And then the one that is far-fetched, but let's be real, a lot of us thought it. It popped into our heads, okay? Sasha Banks. Uh, I don't think so, but it did kind of pop into my head just a little bit. But I do think it's a little far-fetched, okay? I think I'm reaching here. I really think I'm reaching here. So I'm not really even really considering Sasha Banks, but she did remotely pop into my head during this. But I'm thinking it's either going to be Tony Storm or Thunder Rosa. Uh, so let me know what you guys think. <clears throat> we got a very generous super chat here from Mike Parker. Thank you so much to Mike, uh, who's been sending a lot of support on this podcast. It does not go unnoticed. Mike says, at least they didn't pin Kiara. She's uh, She deserves better than to be teams with female job squad. Uh, she is a talented performer with a great look, in my opinion. Hopefully better things away. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, Obviously, she came from Impact Wrestling, and she was doing great stuff there with Tasha Steeles. Um, obviously, as a tag team, you know, they were tag team champs. They were doing a lot there, and I felt like I got to see so much of Kiara Hogan in Impact Wrestling, more so than I have in AEW. And I know that, obviously, she probably came to AEW, you know, in hopes of more exposure and more opportunities and, you know, just to level up, you know, in terms of your rankings and your career and all of that. But for the most part, you know, I feel like if you're, for me, who only watches Dynamite and Rampage, you don't really get to see much of her other than, you know, when she was part of the baddies. But in terms of an actual focus on her, it hasn't necessarily been there. So I do hope we get to see a little bit more of that, especially because, again, she went from Impact Wrestling, where she was doing a lot more, to AEW, where she's not doing a as much right like we're not seeing her do as much especially on dynamite or rampage and i don't get to watch dark or dark elevation i've tuned in for a couple of matches but i don't actually get to watch the shows just because i i legitimately don't have time but um but yeah so i do hope we get to see a little bit more of kara hogan because it, it's been a while since she's been with AEW now uh, and god i'm thinking maybe like a year i don't know i may be off on that but she's been there for a hot minute now um, we got a super chat here from Christopher Marino who says, 
If it's anyone other than Sasha, they better announce the person before the show or they will be booed because the crowd will assume it's Sasha. Look, I... When Survivor Series was coming up and they had those the war game spots that were a mystery spot, in that situation, I thought, yes, they need to let people know or they need to not let people know that it's not going to be Sasha, but they need to let us know who is going to be in that spot, right? Because there were a lot of people that were thinking it was going to be Sasha Banks. Now, I had a gut feeling it wasn't going to be Sasha Banks, okay? But obviously, you never really know for sure. With this one here, I feel the exact same way. I feel like I'd be reaching. And so I don't feel like fans should totally expect Sasha Banks in this situation. I do think that if you think it's Sasha Banks, don't get your hopes up, you know, because you just never know. But I know that there's, you know, all these trademark news that has been coming up about trademark filings for Sasha. So you never really know what she has up her sleeve. Uh, God, if, if it is her, though, like, let's just say it was her in Los Angeles and I'm there. Are you kidding me? That would be freaking nuts. But I'm just going to say don't get your hopes up because you don't want to be disappointed. OK, if it's not Sasha Banks, I would rather be surprised and completely just completely surprised that be expecting somebody and then get your hopes up and then feel let down, right? So do not get your hopes up. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Christopher Marino, thank you so much uh, for the uh, super chat. And also, though, I do think that they should announce the person, uh, you know, a week ahead. But again, it could be Thunder Rosa. It could be Thunder Rosa, and that would be pretty fun if you hear her fame and she comes out, especially in Los Angeles. Uh, thank you so much to Christopher Marino for the super chat here. All righty, and uh, let's go ahead and move on from this. Uh, it is now time for the main event, which was FTR and the Acclaim uh, for the titles. And this was a fun one because today in the media call, Tony basically alluded that this was going to be a big night for FTR. And I thought, and he, he was also asked why they weren't on the uh, final battle card, right? And he said, you know, keep an eye out today on AEW. It's going to be a really big night for FTR. And I'm thinking, there's no way they're going to take the titles off of the acclaimed already. So why would he say it's going to be a big night for FTR? Unless they're going to become champions, but that would be way too soon to end the acclaimed's reign. So I really wasn't sure what he meant by it's going to be a big night for FTR, which now I get why he said that. Um, so... We got a pretty damn good match here between FTR and the Acclaimed. This is exactly the kind of match we needed for the Acclaimed because they just became champions and we've only really seen them work against Swerve in our glory. And you kind of want to see them go in there and mix it up with different teams, especially of the teams of the caliber of FTR. So having them essentially go into this match, uh, I would say that my favorite parts. So we started off with a really nice chop exchange between uh Dax Harwood and Bowens. I really, really liked that exchange there because I thought, man, you know what? Dax is totally going to get the best of the better of Bowens here. But nah, Bowens went in there with some hard chops as well. Kind of took me aback a little bit. I liked it. Um, we saw a dark, uh, excuse me, a double sharpshooter from the acclaim to FTR. That was pretty great. Dax hitting German suplexes on Anthony Bowens. Um, FTR at one point hit the big rig and this one the crowd really fell for this near for this near, they thought it was over they thought FTR was going to win here but i knew they weren't only because of commentary 
commentary after the big rig spot, they were like, new tag team champions, new tag team champions. And I'm thinking, okay, so they're not going to be new tag team champions. Usually when commentary says that there's going to be a new champion, it's usually spoilers for it's not going to happen in this exact moment that you think it's going to happen. Uh, so I knew right away. So unfortunately, I didn't fall for that one too much, literally just because of commentary during that moment. Um, Cash literally hits Max Caster with like, I think it was three lariats, a power bomb, and he tr he goes in for the pin, but instead Caster um, rolls through and ends up getting the victory here. So it was like very quick, very sudden, uh, and the acclaimed retained. And I like the finish too because you know, we know that FTR is a top caliber tag team, right? And so for some people, it was going to be hard to see the acclaimed completely, you know, just cleanly beat FTR. So the way that they did it, I thought felt very believable, especially after the performance that they gave. So I really did like the finish for FTR and the acclaimed. Now, in terms of this being a big night for FTR, it was really because of the announcement that they were going to make for their match at Ring of Honor Final Battle. So we are going to see FTR and the Briscoes once again. Uh, and I know some people are, I don't know what people's reactions are to this. I don't know if you guys are excited or if you're like, been it, seen it, done, been it, been there, seen it, done it. Uh, but obviously there's an added stipulation to this. It's going to be a double dog collar match. Now we know that the Briscoes and FTR have some hard hitting, bloody, bouts between them okay we've seen them so with the added addition of the dog collar the brutality level is only going to go up so i'm excited for this i know it's a match that we've seen but with the added addition of the stipulation i think it's obviously a good way to spice things up so i am looking forward to seeing uh, the briscoes and ftr again again uh so Thoughts on this? Let's see what people um, are saying. Um, Uriel Vega wants to know what mask is behind me with the black and the horns. Uh, that is Black Taurus. Uh, literally one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Favorite mask and one of my favorites, period, uh, in terms of performers. Uh, but let's see what people are saying. This is from Mike who says, uh, the match was amazing. I just don't think now was the time for this match. Save this dynamite for, save this for a dynamite special or a pay-per-view. I like that they did this match for this show because right now there's been a lot of critiques a, a lot of negative critiques on AEW a lot of people saying that the quality of the show has gone down uh and so I feel like I feel this match was a good match to have on Dynamite especially as a main event they gave it the proper time the people were really interested in it and again I think that Acclaimed needed a match like this to just kind of you know have them look really good as champions. So I, I don't, I do not mind whatsoever that this match was on Dynamite here tonight. Uh, I think it really, really just made for a nice ending to the show. Um, all righty, and let's go ahead and uh, this is from David Ortiz. It says the counters and the reversals were lit. Uh, agreed. Mike says, anyone notice the commentary team taking shots at each other all night? They kind of do. You always, I, I, I've noticed it a bunch of times, not just tonight, but uh, I think I'm kind of noticing it all the time now. They're always throwing little jabs at each other, but hey, it works. You know, they got to do what they got to do, right? Um, all righty. And let's see what else we got here. Uh, this is from Brandon who says, just sucks to me that for reasons out of AEW's control, the buildup for this match was kind of meh. And yeah, and this goes back to also Alexis's comment who says, tired of them boys not being allowed on TV. 
I agree, guys. I completely agree. But at least, you know, at least they're finding ways around it and you can actually, you know, get to see the actual match, right? I get it, guys. And everybody's bringing this up. This is also from Zeno Hour, who says it's a shame that the Briscoes are effectively banned from any Warner Brothers Discovery Network. Imagine the pop if they came out tonight, but I absolutely understand the reason. Yeah, guys, that's a lot. Obviously, you know, that's something that you can talk about, but that's pretty much it, everyone. That was AEW Dynamite here today, December 7th. Uh, seriously, um, I want to thank each and every single person that tuned into the show. Um, always, you guys know this without you guys. I cannot do this podcast because then it'd just be me talking to nobody. Uh, so seriously, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Tuesdays, I'm here to talk about NXT Wednesday's AEW Dynamite, which is my most popular show of the week. Smacked, uh, Fridays, I'm here for SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, this week, this Friday, I'm, as long as my Wi-Fi is good in Orlando, I will be here to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. But other than that... Um, I will be on the kickoff show for NXT deadline. Please, guys, it would mean the world to me if you guys tuned in and watched me and hopefully I don't suck ass and hopefully I do a decent job. Um, hopefully I do a decent job. And uh, please, if you do watch, uh, take some pictures, screenshots of you guys watching or or whatever and send them to me, tag them because I'm going to be looking at that. I'm going to love to hear you guys' feedback unless I suck ass. So don't tell me I suck ass. I can't handle it. I'll start crying like a baby. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just hoping that I do a good job. I'm really excited that, you know, this opportunity came about for me because I have been, you know, just trying to keep growing in this space and pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, it's very tough. And my work schedule has gotten really crazy. So um, getting an opportunity like this is really freaking cool for me. And it just means a lot. It feels like, you know, sometimes, and I'm gonna be real with you guys. Sometimes I feel like I work and I work and I work and I sometimes, and I'm sure some of you guys can feel this way too. You work and you work and you work, right? And you almost feel like nobody notices, right? Like you feel nobody is noticing what you do and you don't matter and you just suck and this and that, right? And you can kind of get down about it. And that happened to me a couple of months ago, but then I kind of, you know, brought myself back up, right? It's highs and lows all the time. And, um, you know, this last couple of months, I've had a surge on my YouTube stuff with my YouTube channel growing and my TikTok exploded and my Instagram exploded. And that really started getting me feeling a lot better about myself. I started to feel so much more positive. And I've always say this, and this is such a testament. If anybody here is going through a rough time or any sort of rough patch, period, you would be surprised how different your life is with just a positive outlook on things, right? I started changing the way that I was thinking and I started to think positively. And I'm like, okay, this is positive. Don't just like bury the things that you do, right? The things that you do matter. Even if it's a little bit, even if you're just seeing a little bit of results, those things matter, okay? And to me, it kind of got to the point where I was just not seeing positivity, okay? And the last couple of months, I started to, you know, just really feel good again and just putting out positive energy and just focusing on my work. I kept telling myself, Denise, shut the fuck up, keep your head down and do your work. That's it. That's all you need to do. And that's the only thing that you can control. And then lo and behold, what do I do? I get a call and they're like, hey, we want you on this pre-show. And I'm like, me? 
what? Um, so that's what I want to say. If anybody here is going through a period in their life where they feel like shit or you're not seeing the things that you want to see out of what you're doing, it just helps to just, you know, just control. You can only control what you can control. You cannot control others. You can only control you. Uh, and if you think about it that way and you manifest it and you put out positive energy, trust me, you will see positive results. And also, I hope this sticks with you too, because uh, we're going into a new year and vision boards are something that, God, they are, I don't even know how to say it. I'm going to sound like, I don't know, like a hippie or something, but vision boards are great because they really allow you to manifest uh, what you want in your life. And so I'm very excited. I hope you guys will tune in to NXT Deadline, the kickoff show. And hopefully again, I don't suck and hopefully everything goes well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Speak Now Pro Wrestling. And I will catch you guys later. Have a great night, everyone. Bye.